dive right into uh, our talk today. This is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about living loud, living loud during COVID-19. Um, living loud is going to look different. It's going to look different because, well, we aren't able to live life together right now. Um, we are being counseled and wisely counseled to stay into in our home. We're staying counseled to not go to restaurants. And so if you're not seeing people on a regular basis, how can you live loud? I want to focus our influence on two groups of people, on two mediums, if you will. The first one is with your family. Uh, sometimes we can think, um, man, I've got my family in the house. What a great opportunity to make memories, which is a really cool thought for about five minutes. And then after that, it's like, ah, you, you, it's like, why, I'm not used to being around my family 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I mean, even people are working at home right now. And so if you wake up and your family's there, you go to lunch, your family's there, you go to dinner, your family's there, you go to sleep, your family's there. I want to encourage you, make sure that when you live loud, and I'm going to define living loud in just a moment, but as we live loud, that's the first group of people that we want to influence the most. The second group of people is this whole social media world. Okay, this whole social media world, it is, it is so interesting to me that we can be disconnected, forced to be disconnected. And once again, I want to say it's the wise thing to do, but forced to be disconnected for the safety of others. But yet we're still more connected than we've ever been before. We can still text each other. Social media is so powerful. But this is what I'd like to say. As we live loud, let's not only live loud with our family, but let's be pointed and strategic on living loud on social media. All right, so let me unpack living loud. What does that look like? How do we do it? This is what I want to do before I start outlining, uh, if you will, takeaway points. I want to go back to the Word of God. I want to go back to this uh, book in the Bible. The, t the name of the book is Esther. And in the fourth chapter of Esther, Mordecai uh, says something to his younger cousin. Uh, her name is Esther. Um, see, Esther was a beautiful Jewish girl. And the king noticed her because she was so beautiful. The king noticed her because of her countenance, her demeanor. He noticed her. He picked her out. And he said, I want you to marry me. He married her. He brought her into the kingdom. And while they're living this happy life in the kingdom, this guy named Haman, who worked for the king, he got snubbed by a guy by the name of Mordecai, which again was Esther's cousin. He got snubbed by him. And he got so upset with Mordecai that he decided that he's going to go on this campaign to exterminate all the Jewish people. And so he gets it in his mind that he is going to get the approval from the king. 
he is going to get authority from the king to exterminate all Jewish people. So Mordecai calls up his cousin, Esther, and says, hey, you need to come out of your ivory tower for a minute and meet me in the courtyard. We need to talk. So he meets with Esther and begins to tell Esther, hey, look, this is what's going on. This is what Haman is doing. And all of us Jews are in danger. And then he says this in chapter 4 of 14. He says, uh, chapter 4, verse 14, he says this, If you remain silent at this time, deliverance from, for the Jews, if you remain silent at this time, let me read it to you perfectly, if you remain silent at this time, the deliverance for the Jews will come from another place. If you, if you stay silent, Esther, deliverance will come from another place. But you and your family, you guys will not survive. You will perish. And then he, he closes it with this last thought. He says, who knows, Esther, if, if you were brought to the kingdom for such a time as this, and so here Esther is standing in the courtyard um, and he, she's listening to her cousin and she's realizing that if she doesn't speak up, God's going to send a voice from somewhere else. See, God is very interested in using your voice. He's very interested in partnering with you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9 it says that you have been invited into a partnership with Jesus Christ. Let me just say, during COVID-19, we don't put our calling on hold until this season is over. We don't just back up and say, oh my goodness, I, we're just going to just uh, hang on and wait till this is over, and then we'll re-engage with work, we'll re-engage in our job, and we'll re-engage with God. No. God is working right now. He's working right now. And the question is, is what does he want you to do right now? What does that partnership look like right now? I'd propose to you, it looks just like his partnership with Esther. Esther needed to speak up. She needed to say something. So what we're going to do is we're going to take verse 14. We're going to break it up into three different points. So let's take the first one straight off the bat. The first thing that Mordecai said is he says, if you remain silent at this time, then the Jews will receive help from another place. If you remain silent, she had to speak up. She had to say something. It was her job. There's so many people that can be negative right now. But let me tell you this. Anyone who offers hope will always have influence. If you offer hope right now, you will have influence. If you offer hope within your family, your family, even though they may not say it out loud, will look at you and thank you for bringing hope. 
Anybody can talk about how scary the situation is. Anyone can talk about the uncertainties of what's going on. That's easy to do. It's easy. It doesn't matter how much money you have. It's easy to sit here and talk about how scary it is financially. It doesn't matter if you're wealthy or if you're not wealthy, you're concerned about finances. That's a common denominator. What's not common is a person that's going to stand up and say, in the face of uncertainty, I believe everything is going to be okay. I got a phone call the other day on my phone. It was yesterday. I saw the name on caller ID and I smiled when I looked at the name because I knew that that person calling me is scared to death and they're looking for hope. Well, here's the thing. We're all pretty nervous. I mean, my goodness, I'm talking to you this morning with an empty sanctuary. Never in my life would I have ever believed that I would be preaching in a sanctuary with no people. Never. That that thought never crossed my mind. The only people that are in here are the people that were leading worship just five minutes ago. And there's one, two, three, four, nine people. Okay. (laughs) There's, there's nine people. Okay. Uh, we, we're not going to break the 10. Um, I think there's nine. Uh, you don't count. All right. So eight people, eight people. Here's the thing. We have a responsibility to step up and speak. Esther had a responsibility. Your family, they will look for somebody to speak with hope. If you speak hope, you will have influence. Don't let somebody take your job. Don't let somebody take your role. I remember I was um, uh, watching Little League. My son Luke, he's, he's uh, how old is he? He's 12 now. But when he was five, he was in Little League. And I was sitting there watching Little League. And if you've ever watched Little League baseball, there's not really a lot to cheer about. I mean, the farthest hit is like three feet in front of the batter. That's the farthest hit. Uh, The most entertaining thing about Little League is watching the kids in the outfield sit down and pick daisies. There's not a lot of excitement. Well, my son came to the plate and he was batting. And I really wasn't connected to the game. I just wasn't connected. Um, I'm pulling out my cell phone. Even in those days, I'm pulling out my cell phone. I vividly remember this scene. And all of a sudden, another dad on the other side of the bleachers said, Come on, Luke, you can do it. And I popped my head up and I looked over at him and I said, Hold on a minute here. That's my boy. That's, That's my son. I'm not going to let you, whoever you are, Mr. Blue Hat Guy, I'm not going to let you cheer for my son better than me. From that day forward, every time my son burped, I would yell, that's my boy, that's my boy. And you can ask parents to this day, that entire season, all I did was yell, that's my boy. I'm not going to let someone else cheer my kid on. I'm not going to let someone else influence the circle that God has given me to influence. Let me give you another example. Many years ago, before my wife's father passed away, his name was Lyle. Um, He came to our house to visit and we were sitting there watching a, a football game. And my wife came into the living room with a, a basket of laundry. 
And then she sat it down and she went back and she got another basket of laundry and she brought it in. So now she had two baskets of laundry sitting in front of her. I'm just sitting there watching the game, minding my own business. I'll never forget, Lyle grabbed one of the baskets and pulled it over to himself and sat up and started folding the laundry with Allie. And I sat there and I looked over at him and I thought to myself, hold on a minute. You just came into my house and you're helping my wife. I know it's your daughter, but you just came into my house and you're helping my wife fold my underwear. This is not cool. This is so not cool. And at that moment, I looked at him. I was like, that's my job. That's what I'm supposed to do. From that day forward, anytime I see some laundry sitting down, I grab it and I pull it over and I start folding it. I'm not going to let some guy, I know it was my father-in-law, but just work with me. I'm not going to let some guy come walking in my house and do what I'm supposed to be doing. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. Esther knew she needed to step up. Otherwise, God would raise help from somewhere else. If I didn't step up as a dad, Mr. Blue Hat over there was going to raise his voice and he was going to be the support for my son. If I didn't grab the laundry basket, guess what? It was going to be my father-in-law that was going to grab the basket. Look, God's going to send words of hope from somebody. He's going to send help from somebody. He's going to send it from somebody. The question is, is are you the person... That's going to step up and do that. The second part of that verse, after Mordecai, I said, if you remain silent, help is going to come from another place. After he said that, he says this, though it's going to come from another place, you and your family, you and your father's house, you're going to perish. So God's going to bring help from somewhere. But you, because you didn't open your mouth and because you didn't speak the words that you know you needed to say, you're going to be the one that's going to perish. Let me share this with you. It is your life is in your words. If you choose not to open your mouth, no, you're not helping other people. But God's going to send help for those other people. But you yourself will begin to perish. You yourself, your hope will begin to sink. Your confidence level will begin to drop. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, that death and life is in your tongue. If you stop talking, then you stop living. You begin to perish. But when you back up and you grab just a couple scriptures out of the word of God and you say those scriptures over and over and over again, I don't have a teleprompter helping me right now. I've memorized this to the best of my ability and and it hasn't been perfect. I know that. But I do know that while I'm alone, I have to get it inside of me when I don't need it so that when I do need it, that's what overflows. You got to go get you a, a, a set of scriptures, one or two scriptures. 
I'll give you a couple examples. You can write these down. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 17. It says this, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. You get that in your head and start saying it out loud. You back up and say Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You start saying that out loud. You back up and say 1 John 4.4. Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. You start saying that out loud. If you don't speak up, it will be you that will perish. It's, it's not that when you say something or, or somebody says something negative on Facebook to somebody else, it's not them that's perishing. It's you. It's you for writing it. If you read it, just brush it off like this and feel bad for the person. In fact, don't feel bad for them. Pray for them. Because the minute that thought came out of their mind, the minute they said it out loud, the minute they let it come through their fingers or, or come through their fingers, those, those words of death, those words of negativity begins to bring their own soul down. You've got, just like Mordecai, looked at Esther and said, Esther, you can raise your voice or you cannot raise your voice. Either way, God's going to send a messenger. You decide if you want to be the messenger or not. But if you decide not to, it will be you that will perish. The very last thing that he said, the third thing that he said, is he says this, who knows? Who knows? You may have been brought to this place for such a time as this. Who knows? I used to play basketball for North Shore High School. And I remember one of our games, the crowd was so loud. And they were so aggressive that I had the worst game of my life. The crowd intimidated me so much that when they threw me the ball a couple times, it went like through my hands. I could barely bounce the ball without looking at the crowd. I was losing the ball and it just, it was a terrible, terrible game. And typically I played pretty good. But the next day, um, the coach came up to me and he said, Frankie, and he was concerned. He said, Frankie, I want you to be a gamer. And I didn't even know what a gamer was. He says, I, I don't want you to be one of those guys that's really good in practice when it doesn't matter. I want you to be one of those guys that plays well when the pressure's on, when the heat's on, when the crowd is screaming, when it's not easy. I want you to be a gamer. And I didn't really know what to say, so I said, okay, thanks. I never forgot that. It's been over 20 years. I never forgot that. I don't play basketball anymore because you know, I'll twist my ankle and, and I'll have Ben Gay all over my legs for weeks and all that kind of stuff, but I never forgot the principle. When the heat's on, that's when I need to be at my best. When everybody else is screaming and the crowd is going crazy and the media is going nuts and, and all that's going on, that's when I'm at my best. When everybody in the family is stressed out, that's when I'm at my best. When everybody is yelling and screaming and the kids are pulling each other's hair and, and oh, you know, that Bubby did this, Sissy did that, everything's going on, that's when I'm at my best. Right when me and my wife are about to get into an argument, I need to be the one to disconnect emotionally just enough 
so that I don't get pulled into an argument and start yelling about things I really don't even care about. Have you ever been there before? Have you ever almost, or forget almost, you did. You start arguing about something, and then about 10 minutes in you think, I don't even care about this. When the heat's on, when there's an argument percolating, you and I have to be the ones to back up just enough Be courageous enough to say, I'm sorry. The most courageous people in the world are the people who say, I'm sorry. To back up just enough, say, I'm sorry. Control the temperature in the house. I don't know if you're a male, if you're a female, if you're a wife, if you're a mom, if you live alone. I don't know your status. But what I do know is... You control the temperature in your house. You, you can control the temperature in your house. If you're 12 years old and you're like, I'm 12 years old, my parents actually do that. Look, when you are a happy little 12-year-old, it makes everybody happy. Everybody has a hand on the thermostat. This is the takeaway for the day. During times like this, we do three things. We pray just a little bit more. We worship just a little bit more. And we encourage people just a little bit more. We pray just a little bit more. We worship just a little bit more. And we encourage people just a little bit more. I hope that encourages you today. If it does... Because we're in this online world, share it with your friends. Post it some. You know how to do that stuff. Just do that stuff. The heart is that we Christians, us believers, we stay full of hope. We stay full of hope. We stay full of peace. We keep our eyes on him. So wherever you're at right now, whether you're sitting in your living room, whether you're watching on your cell phone, just take a minute and put your mind's attention on the Lord. Put your heart's affection on Him. And let me pray a blessing into your life. May the Lord bless you. May He keep you. May His face shine down upon you and bring you peace. And may His countenance be lifted up on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord bless you. I'll talk to you soon. Hey, everybody. I know that you're not able to come to church on Sunday morning. And I know you're doing the best you can to keep your hope up, keep your confidence up during this crazy time that we're in. But this is what I've learned, and I know many of you have learned it as well. We are strong when we're together. When we begin to drift apart, our weakness begins to rise up and discouragement starts to creep in. So we have got to stay connected now more than ever. And the only way we can do that is through our life groups. Now, some of you, you're not even a part of a life group. The good news is, is it's very easy to become a part of one. All you have to do is go to the Celebration Church app, download the app, type in Celebration Church TW, 
And you can download the app and press get connected, go to life groups, and we will take care of it from there. Just fill out that form. Some of our smaller life groups, because they're so small, they're able to meet in person. Some of our larger life groups, all the groups that are eight, nine, 10 or more, they're meeting on Zoom. And it's a lot of fun. I mean, it's a lot of fun. Just to trade stories, encourage each other. Um, I want you to be a part of that. I want you to be a part of that. Stay connected with us. Let's continue to live life together. While we're going through it, let's stay connected. And when we get out of this, we'll all celebrate together. I love you. I'll talk to you soon.